Alrighty, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You're welcome to keep that passage open as we dive into it. Well, I don't know about you, uh, but I really hate it when food gets wasted. Uh, you know, when things in the fridge, they go off or they go past that date and you've just got to scrape it into the bin. Uh, or when you've got so much on your plate that you just can't get through it all and the rest of it just has to be chucked out. Uh, I've had to learn personally because of my weak appetite, that I just don't get to order the big breakfast. I really want the big breakfast, I love the big breakfast, but I just don't get to have it, because too much of it ends up getting wasted. It makes me quite sad, but I'll get over it. But what about you? What, what kind of waste in life really gets your goat? What really bothers you? Now, perhaps it's, it's when people waste their money on cheap junk, you know, cheap electronics, uh, cheap plastic stuff that doesn't last and it just ends up in the bin so quickly. Now, perhaps you really get frustrated when you have to waste time on things that are out of your control, things that barge into your day and you, you don't want a bar of it, but you just can't help it. Perhaps you really hate it when people's yards get wasted on shoulder-high weeds and you drive past and you think, what a waste, why don't they do something about their lawn? Or maybe when you, you know, have a real nice patch of soil and you, you work hard to plant something and then it just doesn't work out, it doesn't take off, it doesn't grow. Or maybe you know, you've got a fruit tree and all the fruit ends up on the ground because you never got around to picking it and it's just a waste. And it's this sort of last couple of pictures of, of planting and of growing and of producing that I really want to flesh out in some more detail as we consider this passage. Because Peter's telling us that we have everything we need. That's what he says, everything we need, absolutely everything for a godly and productive life. So we don't want to waste it. We don't want to take it for granted. We don't want to bury it in the ground like the the parable of the talents. We don't want to forget about it or, or leave it there on our plate or chuck it in the bin. Because it's everything that we need. Everything. Or for the, uh, to help it stick in your head if you're a Kanye West fan, we have everything we need. You know. 
I sacrificed myself because that will help you remember. Didn't expect my voice to break a little bit, but anyway. Normally I love falsetto, but... But so let's have a think about this everything and what it is, and then also how it is we might invest it, and finally, what the results will be. Let's read uh, verses 3 and 4 again. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So in short, it's God's divine power and His precious promises. It's His power in the here and now, in the present, that helps us, and it's His promises for the future that bolster us. Everything we need. What is His power? Well, it's the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. A knowledge that that comes from uh, His revelation to us, His communication with us. A knowledge that is the revelation of the Gospel, as we talked about last week. Paul says at the beginning of Romans that the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. The gospel of Jesus, this gospel, this news, this revelation of God's glory and of His goodness in His Son Jesus, that is power. And we have it. It is pure, unadulterated, raw power in our possession. As we said, it's a gift. Now, this is not the kind of power that human beings covet and crave for themselves, you know, to to grab and to grasp. It's the power of God Himself. It's a completely different power. It's a pure power. It's, It's divine power. And that power spreads godliness and goodness and love and humility amongst those who know it and believe it. And so this is part one of what He has given us. The Gospel. It is everything that we need. It can make us good and godly and produce a bountiful harvest in our lives. Don't doubt it. This Gospel is something we do not, we cannot waste. And the other thing we don't want to waste, part two of the everything that we need is God's promises. These promises that have stood since the beginning. The promise of eternity, most particularly, as, as Peter highlights in verse 11. The promise of sharing in Christ's divine nature. Being like Him, being one with Him. The promise that gives us hope. Hope. Don't we so easily take for granted hope? What so many people don't have, we have hope. Hope of another life that comes after this one. Hope of an eternity beyond death. Hope of a perfect life, of a perfect rest 
of perfect relationships with God and with others. All these things we can only dream of. We can hardly comprehend. Hope of the gospel fulfilled. And this we also cannot forget. This we also cannot waste. This also is everything. It's everything. The foundation of God's power in the gospel and the promise of ultimate success and victory. Those two things. There's absolutely nothing more that we need. Nothing at all. We may think that there is. I need more knowledge. I need more skills. I need more confidence or abilities. But no, this is everything. And all of this, it's like having rich, nutritious soil for planting. And for all of us who live here in the, the deserts of Western Australia, uh, we, should, we should long for such nice soil. Isn't it great? Like rich, perfect soil. You know, the perfect foundation for whatever you want to plant. And not only that, but the perfect conditions. You know, that, that perfect balance of sunshine and rain, everything that a plant needs to grow and to thrive and to flourish into whatever it's meant to become and, of course, to produce. And this is exactly what God gives to us. That foundation, those conditions, everything we need. In a moment, we're going to talk about investing into these perfect conditions, adding to the God-given foundation of the gospel, eternal life and our faith in those things. How we have everything we need to invest and to sow and to produce fruit. But before we do that, I just want to say that it's even more than that foundation. It's even more than those perfect conditions, that perfect weather. It's actually that the life of Jesus flows through us. That's what, John, uh, that's what Jesus says in John 15 to his disciples. He is like the life force that makes anything grow or produce. It's Him inside of us. It's, it's supernaturally amazing. Or it's like the, the parable of the growing seed in Mark chapter 4, where it says the farmer might go and plant the seed, and all by itself overnight it, it sprouts up and grows and turns into a harvest. It's God who germinates it and makes it grow. And Paul says this, doesn't he, uh, about the apostles' ministry. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. It's His power, remember a divine power, a supernatural power. And so your ministry in the church, however you may serve, your awkward conversation with a non-believer, your, your pastoral care or your invested discipleship of a fellow believer here in the church or your struggling tithe or your feeble worship, in and of themselves, they're nothing. But God works His power in them to make them grow and bear fruit. He does that. 
So then to ignore what's about to come in these following verses about how we invest, that's like wasting perfect soil. It's like wasting perfect conditions. It's like letting weeds run riot in this beautiful, nutritious soil. It's like letting fruit fall to the ground and go rotten instead of being enjoyed and eaten and tasted. So what does it look like to invest what God's given us, to invest His powerful gospel and His hopeful promises? Peter says we add to it. We add to it. This is where we all get a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? Oh, I've got to do something. I add to what God's given me. I add to grace. We've got to put in the effort. We've got to get to work. The Christian life is not one of sitting back and putting our feet up and then hoping to reap the rewards of a harvest we never invested in. In many ways it is that, but that is not how God calls us to live. It's work. It's labor. It's cultivation as we mentioned last week. The Greek word that's used there for ad, for that word ad, it was commonly used uh, of people who would invest in a theatrical production uh, to the point that there would actually be this kind of good-natured competition between patrons, you know, who's going to give most to this production so that it can get up off the ground and and, and be successful. Uh, And it's interesting, isn't it, that These things were called productions for a reason. If you think of the word, production. And patrons, in our day, they're known as producers. Because it's a production. It's a fruitful thing. It's, It's about something bearing fruit because it was sown into, because it was invested into. And it wasn't just about throwing money at it. It was about ownership. It's about getting behind it. It's backing. That's what it's about. It's not just sponsorship in the sense of, you know, here you go, I hope that works. It's partnership. It's true investment. And this is our calling with the gospel and with the hope that we have been given to invest, to go all in, to back it, to support it, to throw ourselves into the project. And how do we do that? Well, let's go to verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And a mutual affection, love. Goodness is the first one. It's the very nature of Jesus himself. As verse 3 reminds us, his goodness, glory and goodness. We are to strive to be like Christ to learn Him and to understand Him and to copy Him. And Peter's saying, make every effort to do that. Make every effort to know who Jesus is and how He lived and live like Him. Put in every possible effort. Knowledge is the next one. 
It's that knowledge that we gain from Scripture when we learn it together. Investing time and mental energy in reading and in, uh, in listening and in digesting God's Word. And Peter's saying, make every effort to do that. Make every effort to read it and to listen to it. And then not just to do that, but to actually consider it and reflect on it. Make every effort. Self-control, where we deliberately and intentionally choose the above things, or the aforementioned things, the gospel and hope, instead of the corruptions of the world and the evil desires mentioned in verse 4. Peter's saying, make every effort to say no to those things. No to all that selfishness, no to that greed, no to that selfish worldly ambition, and yes to the gospel, yes to hope. Perseverance, choosing those things despite hardship and despite persecution, despite suffering, being bolstered by God's power and by His promises in order to withstand pain and to press on. You've got the foundation, but make every effort to cling to those things, to hold on tight, and so when the storms come, you can stand and you can withstand. Godliness. Godliness could also be translated as reverence. As reverence, as fearing God, as seeking God, as being aware of God of giving attention to God throughout your life, throughout your day and your week and your month. Walking with Him. Peter's saying, make every effort to do that. Whatever it takes, whatever little routines or or reminders you need to set for yourself so that you remember that God is there and He's walking beside you and Jesus is in your heart and the Holy Spirit is helping you. Make every effort to remember. Mutual affection or Brotherly kindness, it denotes how a family unit would relate to one another. We are to treat each other as siblings, as family, with care, consideration. Make every effort to look after your brothers and sisters, to serve them, to help them. And then, of course, love. The love of God. That's the word there. It's that agape love, the love of God, which we have in abundance. We are to share that with all people, not just our fellow brothers and sisters, but with all people. Love, it encompasses everything that came before it, just as it encompasses all the fruit of the Spirit, because love is the first one mentioned. And in 1 Corinthians 13, remember, uh, love is above all else. And, And in Colossians 3, love binds all the garments together in perfect unity. And so Peter starts with faith, beside faith, and he ends with love. Faith in the gospel, faith that is expressed in the hope of eternity. And love that would share that faith that would let that faith live out in our actions, that shares the hope of Jesus, that invests in God's power and promises for others. Make every effort 
to love the world and the people in it. Is this investment easy? No, it's not. It's hard, actually. It's really hard. It takes hard work. It requires hard decisions. Decisions that are always going to burn a little bit and sting. It takes hard sacrifices. But as John Piper states in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, it's better to lose your life than to waste it. And this is what Peter is helping us to avoid. As he says in verses 8 and 9, he says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they're always being added to and growing and developing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Avoiding risk will result in unproductive lives. Seeking safety and security will make us ineffective. Clinging to this life will result in waste. Peter says it's nearsighted. Why? Because it ignores the hope of eternity. It ignores that there's this forever timeline that comes after this short stop here on earth. And so it's nearsighted. And it's blind. Why? Because it forgets the power of the gospel. God's power for the salvation of all who believe. The cleansing and forgiveness of our sins. But investment that risks comfort in this life for the sake of the next, well, that is the best risk. And for the sake of others, that is a guaranteed risk. That is a sure thing. And so Queen Esther could go illegally and dangerously before the king of Persia on behalf of her people in order to hopefully save their lives. And she could say, if I perish, I perish. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego could refuse to bow down to an idol and take a stand there because even though the fiery furnace awaits them, God would rescue them even if they die. And Paul could share the gospel with those who hated him and persecuted him and he could say confidently, I am ready to be imprisoned. I'm ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. It is better to lose your life than to waste it. Earthly safety and security gets you nothing. But the gospel and eternity is everything. So is this investment easy? No. It's hard. But is it doable? Absolutely. Because we have been given everything we need for a godly life for participation in the divine nature, for faith in Jesus, for all those virtues we listed, for the risks, for the pain, everything we need. So invest, sow to the Spirit, contribute generously to the work that God is already doing in your life. Do not waste a moment. Make every effort.
If you don't remember anything else when you go home tonight, remember this. We have everything we need, so make every effort. That's the whole passage summed up. We have everything we need, so make every effort. For if you do these things, verse, uh, verse 10 and 11, you will never stumble and you will re- receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's the result. That's the harvest. Those are the reaped rewards that come. You will never stumble, he says. That doesn't mean you won't encounter difficulties or suffer setbacks. We already said that will happen. But it means that God's power and His promises will never falter, will never fail. And that your faith in those things, your hope in Him can remain firmly fixed. It's like when Jesus says to His disciples, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. And it's a bizarre teaching, isn't it? You might be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. John Piper, again in his book, he highlights this contradiction to remind us, even if we die in this life, God will not let a shred of harm come to our eternal souls. No matter what hardships we face, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when the end comes, Peter says, whenever, however it comes, we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour. And so this is the power of the gospel. The hope of eternity. This risky, guaranteed investment of godliness. This is what we remember when we're thinking about whether to help someone in need. Even if it might cost us a lot of time and energy and money, this is what we remember. This is what we remember when we're considering whether we talk to a non-Christian friend or colleague about Jesus. Whether we share our lives, this is what we remember. This is what we remember when we're wondering whether to serve in church. And yes, we've got busy lives, but there's a request, there's a call. We need leaders, we need helpers, we need givers. This is what we remember, the gospel, the hope. This is what we remember when we're thinking about discipling someone, getting alongside them, reading the Bible with them, dwelling on that knowledge, praying with them, helping them grow. This is what we remember. We have everything we need. We do not need more. It's easy to say, no, I need more. I need, I need more confidence because I can't do it. I'm not that type of person. Or I need more skills and abilities because I just don't have it in my toolkit. It's, it's, it's not there. 
or I, I need more knowledge. I'm not one of those people who knows the Bible back to front. I need more. And Peter said, no, we have everything we need. Because we can all share the gospel. And we can all share our hope and our faith. So make every effort. God has chosen you, elected you, called you, sent you. In His power, He's done everything and He will do everything. So invest generously. Sow the seed. Go all in. Don't hold back. We have everything we need. So make every effort. Let's pray. Father, we just want to pause and thank you for the everything. For the gospel, for life in Jesus, the hope of eternity, the freedom, the joy, the wonder, the salvation, everything. We thank you for everything. And whenever we're tempted to see it as insufficient, help us to know that it's not. Forgive us when we think we've got to add more. Because we have everything we need in Jesus. But Lord, help us not to try and add our own to that list, but to invest in what you've given us. To add in the sense of partnering with you thanks to the life you've given us. And help us to add goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Help us to keep growing keep trying to keep pressing on especially when it's hard help us to say no to the worldly ways and the the things that vie for our attention and yes to the gospel and the kingdom and the hope of eternity and Lord help us to share it to love others with it to invest in that way. Amen.